I'm going to ask the Wildwood family to come to the front. Nearly everybody's here, but Ruri is leading the way in Scotland already. Ruri's already um, in the Highlands. Um, and you guys are going to be going to Scotland quite soon. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the next step? Um, hello, everyone. Uh, I've already been working in Edinburgh at the University of Edinburgh since January, uh, a new job. Um, and my uh, remit is um, African Christianity and African Indigenous Religions in a Centre for World Christianity. Um, I've really enjoyed my first uh, semester there. It's been very, very busy, um, particularly since I've been commuting back to Cambridge. And I'm delighted that uh, these three are coming to join me uh, in Edinburgh. So it's a, a sad time to say goodbye to, to good friends here in Cambridgeshire, but uh, an exciting time as well as we look forward um, to uh, new opportunities. And Peter, what does this look like for you? <laughs> Um, going back home, folks say it must be great, and I'm thinking, well, I often played the, the Scot abroad, so I'm not quite sure Scot in Scotland doesn't sound quite as exciting, Ross, you know, so you have to tell me how, how to do that one. But on Monday, I'd appreciate your prayers. I'm going to go and chat with the Church of Scotland um, about what I might do. I'd like to do something Edinburgh Presbytery-wise, because the last five years, you know, I've been doing stuff missionally and strategically across Ely Diocese, and so helping churches face the future, uh, maybe the 83 churches in Edinburgh Presbytery. But at the same time, I'll also start as a, as a locum. Um, it's amusing, the Church of England have got house for duty posts, where you get a house and you get uh, two days a week and you look after a church. The Church of Scotland just do the duty bit, it seems. <laughs> so there's no house, but I'll be doing that somewhere in Kerstorfen, um, Craig's Bank for what looks like a few months to get myself back into the Church of Scotland to try and understand their strange and mysterious ways. I guess their place is near Edinburgh, are they? Those weird sounding places. <laughs> That's great. Our reading today is taken from James chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, which is on page 1147 in the Church Bibles, and also from Ephesians 4, verses 7 to 12, which is on page 1110. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Those who doubt should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. 
but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall away and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed are those who persevere under trial, because when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, and that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he has created. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is the word of the Lord. Well, um, it's good to be back in Camborne. Um, a bit daunting, so many memories, so many friends. Uh, I still get goosebumps when I pull off the, the 428 to, towards Camborne, given all that we've done together and we've, we've shared. Um, and then I come back and I find that I haven't signed half the bands from 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, um, I haven't changed. Well, I've got older, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But um, Ian also found the key of the ark. Um, this is a building that we used to have. Um, I've, I've got a key of it, so I'm going to hold on to that key because I think there's no point in I'll talk about it. As, as, as a hope for the future that comes from the past or, or something like that. But um, in terms of the past and the future, it's a joy that, that Lee and the church council have, have agreed that I can tell you this Sunday that Beth Cope is going to be the pioneer minister in Northstow. And I'm thrilled that at the end of my time, and I took this job on with Ely Diocese to see this kind of thing happen. And for somebody from our church to be taking on a pioneering role in new housing is truly satisfying for me and I hope for you as well as somebody who you've journeyed with and seen what's happened with the link I'm so excited because she's got clearly gifts and experiences to bring to that new community of Northstow um, and they'll be moving and, and upping sticks to move there in September so it's please pray for for Beth and Peter and the kids but it's really exciting give thanks at the same time because you just feel it's just the right thing for her to be going doing that so so let's, let, let's pray. 
God, we thank you that you are here, that you do call us. Help us to see our lives afresh in the light of your love and of your possibilities. Because we ask in Jesus' name, amen. It is a joy to, to be here and to not be in East Kilbride. Um, I say that because I thank Emma who uh, pointed out this job in Camborne in Cambridgeshire. We came to the Flatlands um, in 2001 um, rather than opt for around about 39 where I could have had an apocalyptic ministry which was a church starting in the jaws of a Tesco but um, Emma encouraged me to consider Camborne in Cambridgeshire and so we've given thanks to God for our 17 years that we've been here as a family um, and we thank you for sharing in that journey and for the blessings that it's been. Um, as I said earlier, it's a bit of a challenge for a, a Peely Wally lad like me to go back up to Scotland and to be one Peely Wally amongst, amongst thousands now, but, um, but, but we give thanks when, when we come back to Camborne. But the thing is, um, I'm getting older. I'm getting, grump I'm getting grumpier as well. I don't know about you. Well, I think you're probably getting older as well. Um, but, but grumpier? Um, I don't know. I, I, think, I think we're finding it harder to know how to relate one to another. I say that with people who are not like us. I say that about people who are next door to us, who we find difficult to, to get to know, to find our lives in the busyness to, to spend time and to look and see who's around and next to us. And I say this ironically because we sit in our houses and we have so many connections that, that we make with the world all over the place. And yet how we can practically share love together and be Christians, be loving people, seems to be a challenge for us. Maybe it was never easy. No, it was never, actually probably wasn't ever easy. But it just doesn't seem to be getting any easier is what I'm thinking. What I'm saying is such individualism that we live our lives amongst is a massive challenge to our Christian faith. The world is more than fitting me. This is God's world. Look, I say that because we live in an entitlement culture, don't we? Life seems to be a contract of what I deserve. I give money, I get service. And if I don't get what I think I'm due, cool, there's going to be trouble. Someone's going to pay. It used to be a letter to the Times. It used to be a letter to the newspaper. Now it's a stinky email or, or whatever it is. The thing is, we didn't push ourselves out of our mother's womb. <laughs> it wasn't us that did that. And against this view of materialism, my message this morning is that life is a gift that we are given. It's not an empty space. It's more than the number of weeks or hours or minutes. Life is a gift, probably best known by the very young and the very old. The funny way that that bird walks that your child notices and starts laughing or copying. The faithfulness of friendship in older years people who just connect with and know you and love you. To say that life is a gift is not an exclusively Christian statement. I think it is a religious one, however. 
but it is a statement that stops us in our tracks. It humbles us and reminds us and asks us the question, whose world are we living in? Two stories for you. One, first of all, from Theodore Roosevelt, um, who was one of the most powerful people in the world. He used to explore the beyond in an exercise he called cutting himself down to size. This is Theodore Roosevelt. After an evening of talk, he would take a friend out into the lawn and search the skies until they found the faint spot of light mist beyond the lower hand corner of the great square of Pegasus. You know the one? Yeah? I knew you would. And then he would say, that is a spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It's as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. It consists of 100 million suns, each larger than our sun. And then Roosevelt would smile at his companion and say, now I think we're small enough. Let's go to bed. A sense of the numinous is what it's called. A fearful and wonderful sense of being part of something much bigger than simply ourselves and far beyond simply our control. A mysterious and deep sense of connection, of acknowledgement, of beauty. I wonder how we recognize the divine image in ourselves in those around us and in the world. I wonder if we are in danger with our individualism of, of losing sight of that sense of numinous, that greatness. It's certainly something in our experiences of Africa that is very much there when we go back to Kigali or Congo. And again, I remind you of that story. You've heard me say this before, but it, for me it was such a powerful story, it's worth saying again. We were in Congo in the 1990s and we were with people who didn't have a lot and they gave what they had to study because they wanted to, to serve God and to get education. Um, some of their children died when they were there, um, meningitis, uh, diarrhea, malaria. Um, so it was, it was a vulnerable time. And every morning when the students gathered to pray, this was their first prayer. God, I thank you for putting breath in my lungs this morning. It wasn't I've had a fantastic day. It wasn't I'm due it. Hello, God, pick me. It was thank you for putting breath in my lungs this morning. Now, as is my wicked way with, with these kind of talks, I get a bit bored if it's just me speaking. Because this is, you are God's, we together are God's people. You've got insights, you've got thoughts about, this is a, a series on giving. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to turn to your neighbour, either back or front, and see if you fancy answering any of these questions. If not, I'll be around speaking to you. But, um, but, but please, you want to give it a go. As we think about giving ourselves and giving, that's what the theme of this talk is about. We live in God's world. Where's our part in it? How are we connecting with the divine in our giving of ourselves? We're going to take a couple of minutes and chat around maybe some of these themes that are on the slides. 
folks, there is, there is so much that we give thanks for. Um, maybe, maybe today in your, your families, as you think about giving and giving thanks, uh, you could pick a part of the alphabet and for letter B, what could you give thanks for, or C or D. Um, we see that quite a lot in, in, in Camborne Church. But we're starting, uh, you're starting, a series on giving. Um, and it does start today with that fundamental recognition that as Christians we believe in a generous God. Or put in another way, we believe in a self-giving God. Think what I've said about individualism. And then this is what we believe as Christians. We believe the essence of God is self-giving. God's essence is to give away. A self-giving God. As Christians, we believe that Jesus shows us what God's like. And so we start with Jesus' life um, and we think about his giving. I wonder what comes to your mind if you think about Jesus and giving. Jesus healing people, giving healing, giving life, for, forgiving people. How many times? A couple of times? Is that the contractual thing? Jesus said, no, no, no. He blew that out of the water. Seventy times seven, I will forgive you and forgive you, forgive one another. Empowering people, giving power to people. Notice the wee man up in the tree who didn't have the confidence to be around, who felt a bit awkward. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house for a cup of tea, mate. Let's do it. But Jesus' ministry more profoundly, we think theologically of Philippians 2. Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a human being, not to grasp or to claim what he was entitled to, but Jesus' joy comes from obedience, giving obedience to the Father. And so the Jesus we see in the New Testament gives life to people. Literally on the cross, Jesus gives himself totally to humankind that we might be forgiven. Jesus points us back, therefore, to the nature of God, and we go all the way back and look at the beginnings of our world. We believe that this is a created world. We're living in God's world, and God did not choose self-containment. God breathed this world into life. God gave life to the world around us, not with stuff from elsewhere, but of himself. Which is why in the world around us we can see reflections and the handiwork of God because it points to God, the image of God in the world around us. From the teeming species, um, great to hear that this morning about the, the size of the world and how many different species of beetles or whatever it is, the intricate patterns, the shorelines, the colours of the sky, the connectedness of things. We give thanks to God for this world um, and don't believe that this world was made by chance. As Christians, I think we're taking that view that actually on the, on, if we were to toss a coin and go yes or no, actually there's so much chance we believe that this world was created by, by a loving God. The grain of wheat lives and dies. We believe the giving and receiving is part of the cycle of creation, the cycle of life. Giving and self-giving is found in the DNA of this world and because it's found in the DNA of the Creator. 
We believe in a self-giving God. We are in the season of Pentecost. We've thought of Jesus. We've thought of God the Creator. We're in the season of Pentecost. We believe that God gives his Holy Spirit to all believers to set them on fire with spiritual awareness and love. The Holy Spirit is given so that we might see the gifts that God has given us, to see how much we've been given. Giving is the way of God. It is the life of the world. This is Trinity Sunday. On this occasion, we, we marvel at the mystery of God three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, the Creator. Jesus, our companion. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter. However you want to see these three, we believe in the Trinity. That's, again, what we believe as Christians. And we affirm that God, in his act of creation, reconciling, and redeeming, gives himself entirely to humanity. And so self-giving can be seen in the individual elements, characters of the, of the Trinity, but also in the Trinity together, in the heart of the Trinity. In God we live and love and have our being. The Father does not cling to his divinity, but gives it away to beget the Son. The Father spills over into the Son as an ever-bubbling fountain. The Son puts his life at the Father's disposal. The Father and the Son eternally give themselves to each other. And this mutual self-giving becomes a giving out in the form of a third person, the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, therefore, is to be filled with a spirit of self-giving. Because self-giving is the essence of God. Giving is central to God's life. Therefore, what about us? Our participation in the life of God, in the life of his purposes. I once told you a story about Mr. Presumptuous, who went through his life and forgot to say thank you. Um, everything was provided for him, but his life was so, he had so much to do. You know, I hadn't time for noticing. He hadn't time for thanking God. He hadn't time for opening his eyes. He'd got meetings to attend. He's, he'd got, it was busy traffic. He'd got phone calls to do. He'd got emails to answer. Don't, you know, don't give me more. I've got plenty. Mr. Presumptuous, whose life was his own, whose life was burdensome, was serious, was hard, was lacking in that vital spark that we as Christians would call life, new life of faith and in Jesus Christ. So what we need to think about is establishing patterns of gratitude because it's a spiritual discipline. It's good for our spiritual and mental well-being to give thanks. Counting our blessings. Spotted this yesterday in Cambridge. It's just, I just like the sign. On, I don't know what you think of the scheme, but look at that sign. Isn't that great? Gratitude turns what we have into enough. Let me again just say it to you. Everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God, essentially. Everything we have and everything we accomplish comes from God's grace and God's love for us. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. 
God has made and given us everything. God has given you gifts. What are your gifts? God has given them for others. God gives us gifts to be used in service of others. That's why God gives us them. Fulfillment comes when we use them for others. As Bishop Curry was reminding us as you watched the wedding, we were made in love for love. In giving, we receive. It's the, it's the way that the world is. It's what we're made to be, to be self-giving, to participate in God's nature and the way of the world. Nope, oh, not there yet. It's fantastic when you read of people winning a lottery. And you think, wow, what are they going to do with that? It's even more amazing when you see the number of people who've given most of it away. And then I remember this story about a wise woman who, traveling in the mountains, found a precious stone in a stream. And the next day, she met a hungry traveler who, when he saw the stone, asked if he could have it. And the woman gave it to him. The traveler left rejoicing, believing this stone to have given him security for the rest of his life. He couldn't believe that this woman had given him this stone. It was so valuable. It was so precious. But as he went back down the mountain from having met that woman, there was something else puzzling him. And a couple of days later, he came back to the woman and said, Here, have the stone back, but tell me what enabled you to be able to give it away. You're beginning a series on giving, and I want just to finish with some questions or some challenges or some points that we've been talking about or some um, points that go further for how we can pick this up in our lives and in our attitudes, in our way of living together as Christians. Life, Life is not a contract, it's a gift. This is not your world, it's God's world. Cultivate gratitude in your family or your workplace. And keep asking, what can I give away? Because as consumers, we're getting inundated with stuff, with information, with with purchases. Keep asking, what can I give away? The nature of God is self-giving. If we're giving, we're joining with the nature and the way of creation and of God. And we will be blessed. And we'll participate in God's ways. And finally, at the end of each day, with open hands, say, what is it that God has given me today? Great exercises are part of the Ignatian exercises. At the end of the day, when you're tired or just sitting on your bed or whatever, just with open hands, say, thank you, God, for what is it you've given me? might be surprising something. might be something that somebody else doesn't think is, is a great thing, but for you, it's a good thing. And be thankful.